spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Welcome to the Lazy Money Machine, where we show you the easy, no-nonsense way to financial and time freedom. Here are your hosts, Graham Brown and Eric Tenhaver. Welcome to the Lazy Money Machine podcast. Uh, we haven't done a podcast episode for a while, a week or so, mm. week and a half. We're back. We're back. Hi, Graham. Hi, Eric. How's things? Where in the world are you today? I am in a part of Tokyo called Kawasaki, which... I guess if you ride motorbikes, you might know it. Kawasaki, yeah. There you go. And you're How about on, on your way moving your whole family down to Thailand. Thailand, but, yeah. With some stopovers, bit by bit. Yeah, yeah, so heading through Shanghai and Hong Kong, then I'll be down in Phuket, and I'll come back through Singapore, Bangkok, meet the family in May. So it's all all happening. Life is in boxes. But the business goes on. I guess that's something we're going to talk about today. And yourself as well. You're off? Yeah, I'll be off for three weeks starting tomorrow night. Uh, and as always, everything comes down to the last minute. <laughs> for some reason in my life, and I've had this for I, as long as I'm working and as long as I'm running a business, always, 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 when I leave, there's something critical going on in my life. It's always <laughs> like that. I don't know why. It's always when I go on holidays. I've had times where I left on holidays where I had to raise money for my company I, now I'm in the same sort of situation looking for property investors. It's amazing. It's always like that. But anyway, that makes life fun. And today we're going to talk about the fun we had for the last year. Yeah. We started this journey together, Graham, in May last year when the first email exchanges happened over, you know, us working together. And today we want to talk about, okay, how, what has this year been like? And also, what, what are sort of the challenges of you and I, uh, working together? Because as a, as a mm. note, we haven't met each other for the last year. So we haven't met each other in person for the last year yet. We've written a book, built a tribe, started an online business. So we've done a lot of things together, yet mm-hmm. we haven't met in person, which is quite remarkable, I think. Well, we have met in person, but not in the last year. That's right. So know. That's right. Yeah. So there we are. Um, take us back to May 2017, Graham. What happened and how did we get together? Yeah. As I remember, we were both in the process of writing a book. That's right. Separate books. And I was writing a book about, you know, location-independent lifestyle because that's something that I've been doing since 2012 with myself and my family, living all over the world and working all over the world, like working remotely, so to speak, building businesses, earning an income wherever we lived in the world. So I felt, and I think this is the feeling that you had as well, is that I needed to write this book because it just needed to be written it's like mm. i needed to kind of make sense in my own head of what all of this meant and you know like steve jobs says you gotta look back on life and join the dots and it was kind of like that i was feeling you know trying to put all this together to make sense of it not just for myself but for other people as well because a lot of people ask me how do you do that mm. and often i don't really know the answer like clearly so it was really a journey. I mean, the last year has been a journey in writing that book and trying to make sense of all of this and put names on things and give it some clear architecture. Right. Which I, which is, th- I think we've achieved that. So 
that was where I was coming from. Yeah. Your, your story is a little bit different. Yeah, I mean, I had this need to talk to people and show them the alternative to being in a, you know, paid employment or in a job situation. Mm-hmm. Um, since I haven't had a job since 2005, who knows? It might change. I'm not saying that I will never work for anybody else anymore, but I think the realization that there's other ways to make your money, make your money and have your time to yourself, which was really my big thing, you know, to be able to, do what I want to do, spend the time where I want to spend it and spend it with who I choose to spend it. That was really my big mm. thing. But it was so close to what you were writing that back then we decided, look, there's no need to write two books if we're you know, happy working together and write one. So there we are. Mm. That's what we did. It was about freedom, wasn't it? That was, it was about choice. I mean, whether right. we were sort of coming from different angles. You were sort of more focused on the process and the, the how-to and I was more focused on, you know, what the outcome was, what the lifestyle was. So you kind of needed to put those together because on their own, they they sort of had something missing. Yes, that's right. And there was one other difference, which is that your property investments are sort of really passive at the moment. You're taking the yeah. fruits of your labor from the past. Well, I'm still quite involved in building this property income stream. So that was also nice to have that as a mm. you know different angle to the whole thing, I think. Yeah. Well, I think what we discovered when we wrote this book is that there's many different ways of being involved in this, right? Of being, you know, ultimately having time and financial freedom, which is really what it was about. Yes. You know, there are many different ways. And it wasn't sort of like, well, you know, people look at my lifestyle, for example, and like we just talked about, I mean, we're moving from Tokyo to Thailand. Mm -hmm. It's not for everybody, but what I think we're not doing is being prescriptive about our lifestyle saying like you've got to live like us no I think ultimately we're saying you've got to have choice you've got to create choice through you know building a system and once you have that choice you exercise it in a way that you feel fit I mean you could decide not to go anywhere in the world which is absolutely fine but you have choice and that's really what it's about it's not necessarily about living all over the world it's about having the choice to do what you want Correct. Yeah. And uh, crazy enough, I mean, uh, by choosing not to have paid employment, in a sense, makes the pressure much higher, I think, to make it happen and make it work because yeah. there is no fallback, right? I mean, well, the fallback would be that uh, uh, either of us takes paid and paid a picks up a paid employment somewhere again, does a job again somewhere. And that's always a fallback. But I'm trying to work really hard to avoid that fallback because I mm. I will lose part of my time freedom. Mm. Yeah, and I think we've also committed, haven't we? I mean, now that we're talking about it, <laughs> it's hard then to sort of justify, you know, going back to the life we've left behind really in a way. Yeah, correct. So, okay, so we we wrote a book that was quite an interesting process, which we treated like a startup almost. Uh, Mm. And I've learned this from you. You said, look, let's write this book as if it's a minimum viable product, as you explained uh, to me at that point, which is basically the product that is good enough to put out in the market to see whether people like it. uh, But it might not have all the perfection and all the smoothness on it. So that's how we approached writing our book, writing it trying to get 80-90% of all our ideas on paper and then really sending it out there to see if there's response to it, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the only way to do it, really, because the, the alternative is to get the perfect book 
out. But that will never happen, you know, unless you've got a team of writers and editors like publishers, you know, would have in-house and you're like a proper author. Right. You know, that those days are gone. I mean, unless you're a Malcolm Gladwell or Stephen Pinker or something like that, you know, you're on your own. So the, the challenge is, is how do you put a book out that people actually want to read it, because it interests you obviously because you want to write it but it doesn't interest anybody else necessarily so how do you do that in a way which is not sort of risky and the risk really is you know you, you end up spending a year two years three years writing a book i'm sure you know these people i know people who've been writing books for years mm. You know, whatever happened to that book you were writing? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm still working on it. Correct. Those guys are out there. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, they'll be doing it until, like, they're old and great. You know, go to the, go to their graves with them, that book. Mm-hmm. It's a shame. And I think that's mainly because you're... You, I, I was once told that the book, for the most part, it's a marketing instrument. So... Yeah. Do not, re- you know, do not expect that the book itself is going to make you wealthy or is going to make you, you know, no- well, noticed maybe, yes, but don't see it as something that's going to make you a lot of money. See it as something that can put you on the map as an expert in a certain topic. That means, you know, if you write the kind of books that we've written, right, the how-to books, right? If you want to become a, a, a writer of novels, it's a different story maybe. Then you will have to live off selling your books. But in mm. our case, it's really a positioning Thing, right we want to write this book to show to the world look we know something about this lifestyle and if you're interested you know pick up our book but then you know get in touch with us so we can interact with you i would say that applies to a lot of media today yes. you know you could be writing a book you could be uh you know recording a podcast like this you could be building a video channel a youtube channel and i think in all these cases yes there are people that make money and they're, they're quite obvious examples of that you know books you'd look at malcolm gladwell mm. you know he probably gets what's his advance on the next book half a million maybe mm-hmm. you know that's what the publisher would pay him just to write the book but he's one in a million if not yes. more right and it's the same with podcasts as well i mean you look at people like john lee dumar entrepreneur on fire makes a lot of money but you know he he's one in a million i think and the same with video you know like people like pewdiepie he makes seven and a half million dollars a year out of youtube again I'm not sure if these models are val- valid models for people like you and I or anybody listening anymore. But yeah. yes, you you can make money out of these formats like books. But, you know, I, I think the chances of doing that are very, very small. It's much better to look at it as a marketing channel and say, look, this is a way of buying people's attention, earning people's attention. And yeah. once I have that attention, how can I make money? That's right. And I think, moreover, the other thing that we try to do with this book is sort of try to capture the way that you and I both look at life. I mean, we, we, we have very similar outlook on how life should be lived and should be lived and how we want to do that. And we did not know whether that would actually, you know, strike a chord with anybody else. So just getting this out there would, uh, would, would prove to us, like, is anybody interested in this? And, you know, there are people interested in yeah. it, which makes it very exciting. So that's what we did. We got the book out. Um, I remember that it had to be out before uh, my summer holidays last year. So we, I think we did it like May, June, July, something like that. Three months we wrote it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we started marketing it and started putting it out there. 
knowing, you know, and now we're a year later. And the interesting thing is, uh, Graham and I, we have met in person, but during this whole process, during the last year, we haven't uh, met in person. And we've had, we basically, we've met online for the whole year and we were able mm. to build this uh, build this business together which is quite interesting I think mm. yeah I think you have to have, we've met some years ago right. in Jakarta didn't we and uh, I, I think you kind of have to have met that person at least once right. but once is enough isn't it right. to all those people thinking about building online businesses and so on mm. one meeting I think is enough there's something it's very hard to like build a business with somebody you've never met correct but the fact we met with the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Once, even if that was for an hour or a couple of hours that time, it doesn't matter. You could then build a business with that person remotely or virtually, so to speak. Right. So let's talk about some of the difficulties we were facing over the last year working in two different locations. What would yeah. you say were our biggest challenges? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a good question. Biggest challenges. I mean, let's look at it from the, the fact, the point that you and I are not sitting in the same office. There's a real benefit to that, isn't there? Like, if you were just sitting right there where I'm pointing, mm. I could say, Eric, take a look at this hmm. or you know I, I could just th there's a lot of unstructured interaction that happens in an office right that you lose but that may not be a bad thing because some of that unstructured interaction could just be wasting time gossip all that kind of thing yes so you have to kind of account for that you have to structure that in a way that works I mean for us it was you know, we had regular calls at regular times. With, that was really important. I think. Yeah, with, with with targets, right? So we we yeah. basically outlined, you know, a couple of months of meet of meetups or calls where we had said, okay, within three months we're going to get our book done first. And so every yeah. call was about, okay, do we have another two chapters done? Do we have another? You know, so that was very important. Yeah. I think that, that's you need to both be quite um, responsible. I think to the other person to live up to the commitment you've made and also quite structured in being able to deliver something that you promised the week before mm. yeah that that's something i learned i don't know if it works for you like this eric but certainly for me is that i think when you work with somebody who's not there because you don't have the ability to you know talk to people casually you don't necessarily give them the benefit of the doubt which I think is really important because if you're on a team and you're working with somebody else and 
they disappear for whatever reason like they're not contactable or whatever that that can create a lot of negative thoughts in your head right right you know you're like oh where are they gone what's up you know something gone wrong are they not talking to me and so on Mm. so i think that's something you know that you have to be whenever you're in that situation of building a team or building a business where there's two or more people in different locations I think you have to realize that you have to work extra hard to build trust. And like you said, you know, it's about delivering on, you know, the, the, the well, the goals that you set mm-hmm. in a meeting and sticking to the time as well. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, I think it's so important to turn up at that meeting, even if it's just a, a chat, not to, you know, the worst thing you can do is just cancel on that person or, you know, like keep moving the times around or forgetting about a meeting that it's just, you know, okay. In, in a normal circumstances where you're with somebody in an office, maybe that's forgivable, but when you're working remotely, that can cause a lot of problems. Right. I mean, one trick we use, but I mean, it's quite obvious. We use Google calendar for the both of us. So as soon as we yeah. set up our meetings, we put in, you know, the meetings in both our calendars and it would, it's quite hard to forget unless you, you know, you don't check your calendar. That's possible, I guess. Right. And recurring meetings as well, repeating meetings. That's important. Yeah, same time, Not- same day. Exactly. Get into a rhythm. You're right. And that was one of the things that is a big hurdle for us working from home and on many unstructured projects is to create routine, right? So for yeah. me, I think if I would have to have, I think if I, it would be fair to say for me, if I would have written the book myself on my own, it would probably not have happened. Uh, but because I committed to you in this case to get this out there, it did happen. I think. Yeah, same. Right. Same for me, Eric. I think that that's something that we've learned, isn't it? I mean, we kind of knew it anyway. But if you want to get something done, you know, make a public commitment about it. Mm. Because sometimes, you know, it, to, to all the people that are listening that are self-employed or entrepreneurs working for themselves or running their own teams, the biggest problem you have is accountability. Yes. You, you know, if it doesn't happen, then nobody's going to kick your ass. That's right. And sometimes the best way to kick your ass is to put your reputation on the line. Yeah. Yeah, and this, this, yeah, this brings me maybe to a question I have about maybe a bit more recent events. Uh, we, we can talk a little bit about the other parts uh, we did after the book. Maybe we need to do that first and then we come to the recent issues. But So basically, once the book was done, we decided, okay, wouldn't it be cool that people that buy the book or that are interested in the book are somewhere in a, in a place where we can communicate with them? So then we decided yeah. to create this group. And you have this concept about uh, content versus access and that you can mm-hmm. charge for both, right? You can charge for content or you can charge for access. Maybe you can explain how that works. Yeah, so... You effectively, you know, when you're writing a book, you're creating content. If you're creating a podcast, I suppose it's, you know, well, let's put the podcast aside. But if you're writing a book, it's content, right? And if you're blogging, it's content. So a lot of people create content. And some people sell content, whether that's courses or books or any kind of information product. And, you know, I guess when you do that, you create a relationship with the buyer, they are interested in what you've got to say. They have the ability to pay for it. They're willing to pay for it. They trust you. So the next question is, you know, what do you do next? Because you want to upsell something else. You want to, you know, they, they want stuff from me. They want more information. They want more, you know, help, more guidance, whatever it is that you're helping them solve. And the challenge is that the natural 
reaction as the content provider is to create more content. So if you wrote a book, you may think, well, if I charged $50 for that book, you know, maybe I can charge $500 by creating a, an extended version of the book, mm-hmm. that kind of thing, right? That sort of mindset. Whereas really what you should be doing is is not creating more content, but creating more access. That's a lot more valuable because what they really want, what people really want once they've engaged with you is more access to you. And that's where you can, you know, add zeros to the end of the price. Right. Because what you're selling is not found anywhere else, right? It's you mm-hmm. and access to you and your relationships and so on. And, you know, that sort of one-on-one interaction that they want. That's the real value. So, you know, wherever you are in that situation where you're building information products is always think about, right, you know, the next step here to upsell is not more content, but, you know, how do I give them more access? Yes. Yeah, and we, we've done that uh, by creating the Facebook group, which you can find out about if you go to lazymoneymachine.com. You can buy our book, our ebook, or you can sign up to the Facebook group there. Mm. Uh, the book at the moment costs $10 and the Facebook group costs $100 to join. The interesting thing for the access part is that we come to realize that although we are giving to the people that pay for accessing us, I think even moreover, we are learning from the people that are actually accessing us, which is really cool. Uh, we're, we're getting, you know, our story is only one uh, one version of how to live a lifestyle whereby you have freedom of time. Turns out there's many ways to do this. And the way that other people implement these kind of principles in their lives is even more interesting for me to look at, I think, than my own story. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, and I think this is more value isn't it to everybody that's involved that you you might think that 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 is sort of you know a bit cheap if you're sort of selling other people's access and their stories as well you're not really because that's more valuable i mean look at any sort of social media platform take linkedin as an example right yeah you know if you join linkedin and and you can only learn about reed hoffman the founder and interact with him well what value is that but you know what he's done is he's been clever enough to say right well all you guys want to connect to all you guys Mm -hmm. so let's do that and in a way that's platform access right so yeah i I think there's two things that this first part is that that is the real you know value when you can give other people a platform to share and secondly i think that's you know not something you should feel guilty about you might think oh we have to constantly provide the content but like it's going back to that content and access point isn't it is that up to a point content is useful but after a point you know it just becomes noise yes okay that's that's you know very interesting view on on i think how we appreciate the people that have joined our our tribe our uh, facebook group Maybe talk about a bit more recent developments. We were we were doing a weekly Facebook Live in the Facebook mm. group, uh, and you and I both were recently, you know, evaluating that and trying to uh, figure out what's the root cause of that being. Uh, well, you know, let's call it what it is. It was like a, a struggle for us in the end. And that's the other part I think about a working relationship the way that we have it is that sometimes when something feels wrong, you need to speak out about 
that feeling to each other and i think try to figure out what's what's the real problem down here because Mm. um we had that with the facebook lives it's video for those of you listening to the podcast it's video and we were you know both on the screen and sometimes we had guests on and uh, because our group is at the moment still quite small we used to have you know one or two or three people watching this live and we were feeling like why are we doing this live um, and, uh, you know, while most people, most of our tribes are actually viewing this afterwards. Mm. And then we decided, okay, why don't we, you know, spend this time that we're uh, together on the Facebook Live on something that might be more productive until the point that these Facebook Lives will have a bigger impact. And that's when we decided, okay, from now on, we're first going to do audio again because we both love to do audio podcasts. You know, we're, we're, mm. we, we're well equipped for it. We, you know, we've done it a lot. So let's continue creating this audio content, which we put out for free to everyone, to basically build our group, right? To get more people in, because we do see the value of this Facebook Live, but mm. it's more valuable if more people are there live right away, so we can answer questions and we can jump on people's comments, right? Yeah, I wonder. I mean, like Facebook as a platform for long content, if you like whether it actually works because people I think the problem with Facebook we're we're up against if you're doing live broadcasts on Facebook is that your attention span is very short because they might see your Facebook live and then two minutes later you know like Bob's messaging them and then you know you got a video of a cat coming up Mm. so I I think that's something you need to think about right is that you're competing with all of that so that was a challenge for us I think Whereas, you know, with audio, it's a little bit different. You've got more of an engaged audience because people will listen to it when they have the time. Right. And it's a different consumption pattern, if you might call it like that, right? So, you know, podca- the, the power of podcasts is that you can... you can li- Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family vdw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Listen to this in private. On in in places where you don't want to watch yeah. a video, uh, it can be consumed, you know, commuting or you know, in a break or in a lunch break, which I think makes it a bit more suitable, I think, for a lot of the content that we're trying to do. So anyway, yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah, go for it. Well, I just wanted to say, I mean, look at the numbers. I mean, people keep saying a podcast is going away, but last year podcast listeners were up eleven percent, right. You know, and they've been going up every year. And I, I think the reason is, is because it's just signal and noise, isn't it? It's that, I mean, Facebook Live is a good example. There's just too much noise out there. And just as an example, some numbers here, there's half a million 
active podcasts on Apple iTunes. Wow. So just, yeah, think of that, half a million. Now, half a million YouTube videos are uploaded every single day. Yeah. So I think that that sort of goes to shows that, you know, I mean, I have an affection for podcasts. I think you're an audio guy as well. And I think there's something about them, which is that they are more difficult to do. Lots of people choose not to do them because for a number of reasons, but the people who listen to them love them. Right. And, you know, there's no way of faking it, right? I mean, you could fake a video, you can fake a, a blog post, you know, there's like a, a robot, which claimed to have written a hundred thousand books on Amazon. Mm. No joke. So even a robot can write a book. I mean, you can go onto Facebook and chat with a chat bot. It's like the last thing I suppose, which is not fakeable is your voice and mine right and, you know that real conversation so i think you know that's why it's a great platform and we shouldn't sort of throw it away just because it looks you know look at it we're still using mp3s mp3 technology is like whoa that's from i don't know the late 90s isn't it but it works and i think yeah. that's what people want right yeah so that's that's how we're moving forward for at least i think um what we've said well at least the next uh quarter maybe longer right so using uh, publicly available podcast to grow our movement, grow our tribe, get more people in. And we're, we're really interested in getting more and more people in the tribe, not so much making a whole lot of money from it, but we know that once we have, well, let's say a hundred people or more into our group, then the dynamics will change so much that it becomes interesting for everybody. So that's really what we're aiming for going forward, right? Yeah. I mean, the point about making money is, for us it's just like a you know way of paying for the fees of running this thing right that's right you know what we've decided and i think this is important i think this is you know key to any kind of project that you engage in is like what problem is this solving for me purely from a selfish perspective and the problem it's solving for us is wouldn't it be great to be surrounded by inspirational entrepreneurs and investors who are working on these kind of lifestyles and you know learning things and sharing things you know and that works for us i'm sure that could work for other people as well you know be part of that group so that that's kind of purely from a selfish perspective why we are doubling down on this and making you know keep keeping this thing going and growing it it's because for us it's like well you know this is a great mastermind to have a great group of people mm -hmm. to hang around with where else do you get that you can't Correct. Well, you, there is no other place where you can get this kind of interaction, right? You, you can have, well, what are the options? Meetup? Well, we all know about that. I mean, that's sort of, you know, it's hit or miss, isn't it? Or, I mean, where else? You can't go on Facebook and join a group or LinkedIn groups are lame. Well, the other, you know, the only other place where something like this could happen is like uh, training sessions, right? Or these uh, big mm -hmm. group training sessions around a certain topic. The only disadvantage of that is that you're you're in that group or in that setting for one or two days or three days or four days, uh, but right, then right. you know you exchange business you exchange business cards, but nine out of ten times nothing happens afterwards, right? So you lose you lose the group dynamic and you lose the yeah. the the accountability towards each other quite quickly after the event is over. It takes time as well, doesn't it? I mean, you know, how long does it take to build a relationship in business? It takes more than two or three meetings, you know, more than one or two yes. days. And that's what it's about, isn't it? I mean, you've got to have that kind of 
ability to build relationships for these things to work i mean like tom southerton who's in our group as an example i mean i was back and forth with tom i mean tom lived in fukuoka and i lived in tokyo and we were like i don't know a thousand kilometers apart back and forth for weeks and weeks but you know we met up when i was in fukuoka so you know that kind of long-term relationship is the the way to build business relationships right you know, I don't think you could, yeah. if we just had one or two bites of an interaction, it never would have worked. Yeah, and it's this is something, you know, this is a bit of me realizing this earlier on in the year when I had sort of my, you know, evaluation of last year, you know, what, what went wrong, what went well. And one of the things that I realized is that I don't spend enough time building my network. Um, it's quite easy to get uh, complacent if you're mm. in a place like me in this case where we can run most of our projects uh, from home and you know spend a lot of time with the family and with the kids which is fantastic but you realize that real growth and real opportunity in in many ways it doesn't have to be financial right it can be just personal comes from having real life deep meaningful interactions with people that inspire you or or fun to hang around with Mm-hmm. And I decided at the beginning of the year, I need to double down on, on networking, on finding and not networking for the purpose of collecting name cards or mm-hmm. business cards, but networking for the purpose of being around people that I can learn from or being around people that I can help. Either one, it doesn't matter because sharing or receiving is actually the same thing. If you share your own story, you learn something from it as well. So then for me it's it's really important to to really meet and be with people as much as i can because it's so easy to mm. to withdraw to your cage and uh, work from you know work from behind your 27 inch imac you know that that's not the world and uh <laughs> beside it being bad for your health it's also in the end super superficial i guess uh, that's what it is mm. Yeah, do you find that you fall into your comfort zone and feel like you're not going out and networking because, I don't know, it's a, it's a long-term play, isn't it? You're you're investing in relationships. There's no immediate advantage. Unless you're, like you say, networking for networking's sake, which is you go out and collect cards, which I don't do, mm. which I don't think is, is, is of any importance, really. You're going out and you're... I guess you've got to find people that you want to build a relationship with friendship in a way. You know, I was always sort of curious. I mean, when I started out in business, it was always like, right, I'm networking for a purpose. And my mm-hmm. purpose is I'm going to meet people and win business. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, you know, who do I want to hang around with? That's interesting. You know, and I do so much more business with these people, you know, by the, you know, due to the fact that they're interesting and we get on, right? Yes. I think that's the way you've got to do it, isn't it? I mean, how, how do you do it? Do you go out and say, right, I'm going to, I need to find somebody like this or what's your strategy? Um, well, what, what from personal experience, uh, what has made me do more of this is basically something screwing up. So if something big goes wrong in my life, I usually look around and think, okay, what what's the main thing that I'm not doing? that either could have caused or could have prevented this. And I realized that 
Um, the, the big mistake was basically investing in something I didn't know anything about. Plus, I didn't really understand the people behind this fund that I invested in. So the big mistake there was I trusted somebody else to do something that he in the end did not do. So what I learned from that is like, okay, let's double down on where I can have relationships uh, for the business part. So where do I have, you know, network? Where do I have, where can I access people? What can I do? And usually the other thing is that if you're in trouble, then it's better to work on building a network and sharing, you know, the struggles you have because there might be somebody in your network that's able to help or willing to help. So I think that's just really, I mean, for me, usually when something goes seriously wrong, then I look at, okay, maybe I need to go and do something else. What am I not doing that I actually could be mm. doing or could could have prevented or helped me with this situation? Yeah, that's that's sort of the, the alarm call, isn't it, to wake you out of your comfort zone, isn't it? And we all sort of face that, you know, but it's a good thing in a way, that flame's licking your ass. But, you know, talking about networking and that sort of looking back on your last year, and I feel it as well, is that I I think one of the challenges that we have in this situation, you've identified probably the biggest one, Eric, and that is that when you work for yourself, you get into your own little world and it's so easy to kind of close off the outside world because it's all kind of a bit messy, like in front of your 27-inch IMAX screen, you're you're the master of the world, right? Master of the universe. Right. And therefore everything's controllable. However, out there it's a bit fuzzy. So that that I think is a big problem. Add to that, I think the second problem is that as an entrepreneur, I think we have this idea that, you know, we network and then, you know, we think about things like friendships and relationships as something that we're gonna do later on. Right? Let's network now for business. You know, I've got a a business need. And later on, at some point, someday, I'll think about things like relationships and free time and all that sort of nice stuff, right? And then I think, you know, what we talk about in the book is that, well, actually what happens is in life, and I think we're realizing it, you know, as you're sort of getting closer to the, the edge, if you like, and your time runs out, is that you realize that that, that someday never comes. So all those kind of things that you said you were going to do, like friendships and relationships and all that, probably will never come. So why not make your networking about friendships and relationships as well? You know, and I think that's an important thing because we kind of try and separate the two as entrepreneurs because we try to have this sort of focus on, you know, being the business person and focusing purely on our business. And I consider, for example, my relationship with you as a friendship more than anything, right? Mm-hmm. It's a business relationship, but you know, I very much enjoy working with you. Um, I think we challenge each other in a, a very good way. We get the best out of each other. Um, and we, we share a lot of values. We see differently in many cases, and I learn. I've learned a heck of a lot. So it's a very rewarding and growing relationship for me. And fundamentally, it's, it's a relationship built on friendship and trust. Yes. You know, just purely than business. And I think that's so important, isn't it? When you, you talk about networking and being in this situation as an entrepreneur, choose those people because, you know, don't choose people because they're good for your business. Choose people because you will enjoy hanging around with them and business will come out of that. Because, yeah. you know, before you know, There'll be none of that other stuff. 
Right. Yeah, uh, and the other thing is, I mean, building a business is usually a long-term project. So if you're doing it with somebody you don't really like, that's quite a an investment to make. <laughs> and <laughs> might, you might as well find somebody you enjoy working with instead of somebody you don't enjoy working with. So. Oh yeah, uh, we both had experience in this. Definitely, matter. yeah. And I think, I mean, there and there are many people in the world that are happy to you know start and run and work with you on building a company or building a business. It's yeah. actually funny. I mean, even. When I was still um, uh, employed and and was an expat in the telecoms in the industry here in Indonesia, uh, one of my main selection criteria for choosing a new job was whether or not I liked the guy that I had to work for. Uh, yeah. It was my the, the, it was actually the only thing that I you know do, <laughs> do I think I can have fun with this guy or enjoy working with him? Yes, okay, right. well let's go and do it. There was there was nothing else. It was not like how much money do I make? How challenging is the job? You know, what kind of criteria do the job have? Is it, you know, how many staff do I have? Didn't care. I really didn't care. I mean, and to me, I think that's, that's sort of, yeah, the way I look at many things. The, the only problem with that, Graham, is I think that sometimes you overlook or you don't look at things too objectively anymore, I think. Mm. So sometimes mm. you look at, okay, you know, I, I would enjoy working with this person, but it might be on something that is, you know, maybe going nowhere. Yeah. That's, that's a risk, right? Yeah, I mean, that, that's something that we've had to constantly ask ourselves, isn't it? Right. Because, you know, you have to say, and th- this is the same with any business project, you're absolutely right, is that, you know, when you have a good relationship with somebody, you, you worry that, you know, the business and the relationship are intertwined. So if you were to stop the business, then you would lose that relationship. Yes. That and that you'd always give it the benefit of the doubt, and that's really dangerous, isn't it? So, I mean, how how do we sort of do that? I mean, that's a really good point. You know, how do you actually ob- assess that objectively? Well, we had this recently, right, where we seriously questioned what we're doing here, whether it's uh, going the right way, right? And only by speaking out, I think, in our case, uh, looking at this objectively. Uh, defining what we want out of this project and mm. seeing whether we could get it in another way with less effort is really whether or not, you know, you would continue with something or not, right? So uh, I, I think it led, especially in my case, to me having to uh, explain sort of the real purpose I have with this project to you, which I might not have expressed clearly before. Which is for me, this is a really important project because it's one of my only online book-related knowledge-based products that I have out there. Well, in your case, you have a few other products that you have out there. And I I told you, I said, look, you know, I think this is super valuable. I really enjoy it. So I would like to continue it. And that sort of made you look at this differently as well, I I believe. Hmm. Yeah. And and I think what we realized as well, one of the takeaways from working in this kind of business setup is that you can work on a project together but you don't have to make money together that's another thing to think about isn't it is that you can go into a project like a podcast or a book or any kind of marketing exercise an event for example but you know if if that project was a way of building your authority of getting your name out there you don't have to be intertwined when it comes to making money so, you know, in a relationship, you can have one person making money out of consultancy, one person making money out of coaching, one person making money out of information products and so on. They don't have to share the spoils equally, right? So, you know, you can collectively pull your resources on the project, but 
you know, not be sort of locked into each other's worlds when it comes to the money side, which I think is a challenge, isn't it? Because, you know, some people, they want to make money differently in a relationship and they want to work differently in their different times and so on. So I think you ha- understand that that's a possibility. Yes. I mean, some people will tell us, yeah, it's easy for you guys to say because you've got money coming in otherwise. And that's, that is actually exactly the risk of projects like this, right? right Whereby right. you're getting, you don't look at it on, on the monet, monetary, from the monetary angle and you say, ah, yeah. it's fun to do. Let me just go and keep doing it. The problem with that is that if, in a, in a, even in our case, if you're not clear about the goals you're trying to achieve, then at some point one of them, one of us is going to run out of steam and not going to be, f- you know, enjoying this anymore. And then basically the project is going to fall flat. Hmm. So you still need to have some sort of a goal. What are we trying to achieve? Okay, the goal now is grow the tribe, get more people in because we enjoy the people that are in our tribe. And then, then now we are motivated to grow it again. But if there's no goals, if it's just for fun, it's very dangerous to then run out of steam quickly with 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 a project like this. I think of uh, Seth Godin and what he talks about when you you know try and try and measure your business in the sense of should I give up? Am I making an impact? Am I doing the right thing? So Seth Godin, the author, who's written many good books, yes, including The Dip and The Purple Cow and so on. Um, you know, one of the things he said, which really stuck with me, and I think of it in this situation, is like, you know, how how do you actually measure if you're doing the right thing? Because there's so many different variables, metrics you could use in a business, such as revenue, you know, likes on Facebook, downloads of your podcast, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But really, at the end of the day, what's the most important thing? Of course, making money is important, but you can make money out of something that's not meaningful, right? And right. not rewarding. Ultimately, you'll get bored of it. So, the challenge is, is you know, what Seth Godin says is answer this question is, you know, will people miss you when you're gone? Hmm. And you know, when you're gone doesn't mean like when you're six feet under. Obviously, that's one way of going, but it really means when you stop doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So, think about what you're doing. Will people miss it? You know, if you're sending a newsletter every week, will people miss that newsletter when you stop sending it? If they don't, then stop sending it. You have to look at everything you do and say, what is missable here? Will people actually feel a hole is left in their lives when you stop doing what you're doing? You know, do they need that in ways that they can't, you know, readily articulate? You know, it goes back to that. I mean, if you've read Tools of Titans by Tim Ferriss, the, the the you know massive book that it is there's a few good sound bites in it but the one where he talks about Tim Ferriss and you know he's facing this situation where he's now an investor in Uber and Twitter and Facebook and everything and now he's becoming a venture capitalist by default and he's talking to his friend Naval Ravikrant in uh, in the kitchen and he's asking him he's saying you know what should I do it's like you know I've got so many investments and I've got all these startups contacting me every day about this that and the other and they want me to be the advisor of this and you know what do I do and uh, his friend turns around to him and said yep sure you can be a venture capitalist and you could do very well but will people miss you when you're gone Hmm. probably not however you know when you give a speech you know when Tim Ferriss stands up and he talks about I don't know let's talk about the four hour body or something or the four hour work week or whatever and after that speech people come up to him 
to the stage and start talking to them and they're in tears and those people are saying you know your book they helped me lose 200 pounds and save my life or you know your book helped me escape the cubicle and you know go and live my life traveling the world you know and they got tears in their eyes or you know they're happy for joy or whatever that really is a measure of success because that can't be replaced and i think ultimately that's what we've got to get to you know whatever you do not just us but anybody listening is that in their businesses you've got to be constantly focusing on that what is missable and if you can't find what's missable then find it and if you find your what's missable then double down on that because that will produce value and value will create money long term i think that's where we've got to take it so i think you know now eric we're starting to see people say hey look you know lazy money machine you've really made an impact on me yeah so in that way we're doing something right correct yeah that that was you know one of our tribe members uh, sent us a beautiful message uh, before the weekend and it was really you know it really impacted me as well saying see this is why we're doing this and you know it's not ego that's talking here it's like look if we can in some way be of a small contribution to somebody making a, a change in their lives that's just fantastic and I mean, it's also when we grow older, the, the feeling of, you know, what am I leaving behind? What's my legacy? Uh, it, it does become important. And, you know, just making money and just feeding the family. I mean, that's not what, for me at least, is what I want to be remembered by. I'm grateful that my family will remember me by being able to feed them. But I prefer to, you know, to have something that is, you know, is still there when I'm dead and uh, that some people might still go to or still read or still listen to. And that, that would be, you know, amazing feeling for me that that's still out there and that's still mm. impacting people. And, you know, you only have one life. You know, you only have so much time. Nobody knows how long it's going to be. Time is the only non-renewable resource we both have. We all have. Uh, do something with it that matters. I think that's really what it is in my case. And, you know, as long as we're do- doing things that matter somebody will be will be willing to pay us some something for it so we can live i think that's also how i look at it mm. can we talk about that post in lazy money machine from walter yeah i guess we can now that we've named him <laughs> i think we have to because it really gives people not just an understanding of what we're trying to measure we're not we're not measuring likes so we we're measuring these these engagements and also it an understanding of what Lazy Money Machine's about. Right. So shall I, I'll read it now. This is from Walter Reich. And he says, Today is the first day of my freedom of time and financial independence. Thursday, I had a beautiful farewell reception at the company. And yesterday, it was my last day at the office. And he, he's the boss of this company, right? Right. So, you know, he's got a lot to give up. It still feels awkward. And I guess it will take a while before I get used to it. In two weeks time, my wife and I will be traveling to Ecuador, Colombia, Panama, and Costa Rica for three months. After that, I'll start looking for new goals in my life without losing the freedom of time. Thank you, Eric and Graham, for giving the insight for a new lifestyle. That's fantastic, right? Yeah, yeah. If you want Good that, guys, him. go to our website, lazymoneymachine.com. We're happy to welcome you with open arms in our tribe, buy our book, uh, check out what we're doing. And I think... We cannot end the show better than uh, just leaving it at this quote, I think, Graham. Uh, Walter, thank you so much for your nice uh, recommendation and your nice testimonial. And I think we'll continue next week with another podcast episode. You've been listening to The Lazy Money Machine. Find out more at lazymoneymachine.com.